the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. podcast. Please like the podcast, podcast. and subscribe podcast. to this channel. Podcast. Thank you. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now. Hi, my name is Nigel Beckles. My new book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices. Now you can discover the dangerous myths about love. If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons. How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life. Available from Amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also available. When the mood is right, a poetry journey and mood swings by Queen P. Available on Amazon and all good bookstores. The Royal Affair by Queen P. Dim the lights, sit back, relax, and breathe. You have entered into the Royal Affair. Queen P. Poetry Podcasts. Available now, 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 now. The Royal now. Affair. The very best way to promote your podcasts, Podpage makes it easy to create a podcast website with just a few clicks. Every page is optimized to be found on Google and it stays up to date forever. For more information visit podpage.com. The future of podcast promotion. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. My guest for this episode is a motivational speaker, author, and a man who calls himself a cancer warrior, American Terry Tucker. Hi, Terry. Welcome to my podcast series. How are you? I'm great, Nigel. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking with you. You're very welcome. So whereabouts do you live at the moment? I live in uh, just outside of Denver, Colorado. Uh, right in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Okay. And did you grow up there? No, actually, I, I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. And, but I've lived, I've lived in Charleston, South Carolina on the East Coast. I've lived in Santa Barbara, California on the West Coast. I've lived in Houston, Texas in the Gulf Coast. So I, I, I pretty much lived all over the United States. Yeah, sounds like you've moved around quite a bit. We have. I, my, my wife is the primary breadwinner. So I kind of follow her where where she finds employment if she loses her job. And she has a couple of times. So we've, we've moved, but it's also given us an opportunity to declutter when we do that. You know, you can get throw, some, throw stuff out that we don't need anymore and travel lightly. So what type of work have you carried out during the years? So I had a lot of jobs. I, I always kind of joke that, you know, one of these days I'm going to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my life. But when I graduated from college, I went to work in the corporate headquarters in, in the marketing department of Wendy's International, the, the international hamburger chain. Uh, from there, I moved to hospital administration, and I did that for about 10 years. And then I was a police officer. And during my time in law enforcement, I, I was an undercover narcotics investigator, and I was also a, a SWAT team hostage negotiator. After that, I started my own school security consulting business. And I coached basketball. And then most recently, I've been a motivational speaker and an author. So when and how did you discover you had cancer? And what type of cancer was it? I, probably a word I use better than survivor, because I'm probably coming to the end of my life, is warrior. And in 2012, I was a basketball coach 
had a callus break open on the bottom of my left foot just below my third toe. And I didn't think a lot of it because I was on my feet a lot. And when it didn't heal, I ended up going to a podiatrist friend of mine, a foot doctor, and he did the usual, you know, let's put some pads in there and see if that works. And and when it didn't, he took an x-ray and found a, a small cyst, which he cut out. And he said, you know, I've seen thousands of these, but I'm going to send it off to pathology. And two weeks later, I got the news that I had this very rare form of melanoma called acral litiginous malignant melanoma. You can't say that if you're drunk, but you know, it's, it's just kind of one of those things where I went from living a normal life like all of us are doing to having my world turned upside down. And because my cancer is so rare, there's only about 6,500 people in the U.S. that get it every year. It was recommended that I go be treated at the world-renowned MD Anderson Cancer Center uh, in Texas. So how did you feel when you received the diagnosis? My emotions probably ran the gambit. You know, I originally thought he must be mistaken. Like, There's no way this could be happening. I, I had led a healthy life. I've never abused drugs or alcohol. I've exercised. I've eaten good foods. I have a physical exam every year. So I thought, you know, there's no way. And then you kind of get mad. You sort of bargain with it a little bit like, well, you know, okay, God, if you let me do this, then I'll, I'll do that. And then eventually I just came to the point where it's like, all right, you know what? These are the cards I've been dealt and I'm going to have to play them. So it was time to sort of put on your big boy pants, as we say, and and get on to dealing with the disease. It wasn't something I could run away from. So what type of treatment did you receive and how long did it last? Initially, I had two surgeries to remove the tumor. And then after I healed, I was put on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon to help keep the disease from coming back. And I took those weekly interferon injections for four years and seven months before the interferon became so toxic to my body that I ended up in the intensive care unit with a fever of 108 degrees, which usually isn't compatible with being alive. But while I was on interferon, it gave me severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days after each injection. I lost 50 pounds during my therapy. I was constantly nauseous and fatigued and chilled. Even my ability to, to taste food diminished. And this misery went on, and I, and I did count it up, for over 1,660 days. And one thing I learned during all my pain and suffering is that you have two choices. You can succumb to the debilitating discomfort and misery, or you can learn to embrace it and use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual. And I chose the latter. Once I was taken off the melan or the interferon, the melanoma came back in 2017. In January of 2018, I had my left foot amputated. Disease came back again in 2019, requiring two additional surgeries. And then in February of last year, an undiagnosed tumor in my ankle grew large enough to fracture my tibia, my shin bone. And my only remedy was the amputation of my left leg above the knee, which occurred right in the middle of a global pandemic. I mean, leave it to me to do something crazy like that. Uh, and then I also found out I have tumors in my lungs and um, my doctor's not exactly optimistic about my, my long-term longevity. I'm very sorry to hear that. How do you maintain such a positive attitude and mindset, bearing in mind all you've been through? Well, I, I think part of it is we're all born, as far as I'm concerned, to live uncommon and extraordinary lives. 
And, and that has nothing to do with the type of job we have, how much money we make, you know, what kind of car we drive or anything like that. We're not all born with the same gifts and talents, but we all have the ability to become the best person that we're capable of becoming. But there's an impediment to finding and living that uncommon and extraordinary life. And that impediment is us. I, I mean, we are our own worst enemy. And, and we know this, you know, our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure. You know, to our minds, the status quo is comfortable and familiar. So for me, I found my purpose in life and I lived it. All of us are going to die, but not all of us are going to really live. And I kind of feel like I found that purpose. I lived that purpose. So I am much calmer and much more relaxed and much more positive about dealing with the world because of the fact that I know I had a purpose here and I lived it. So now I'm coming to the end of my life and I'm not really that scared. I'm not really that nervous about it. In a way, I'm almost excited, for lack of a better word, to see what's on the other side of death. And I have a very strong faith. I believe there's something on the other side of that. And I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where we go with that. Well, we can certainly agree on that particular point. So how do you suggest those listening maintain a positive mindset in challenging times? So I guess it goes back to what I was talking a minute ago about the brain. You know, our brains know our fears. They know our insecurities. They know our vulnerabilities. I have a, a post-it note, I'm looking at it right now, that sits on my desk and it has three sentences on it. And they've kind of become my truths. And, and I'll throw these out here and maybe your audience can pick up on all of them, some of them, or totally dismiss them. But the first one is you need to control your mind or it will control you. As I said, you know, your mind knows your, your fears, your vulnerabilities, and it likes the status quo. We, we don't like change. And so if you want to change, if you want to go in another direction, your brain's going to fight you on that. And it's going to use those security insecurities and vulnerabilities against you. So that's number one. Number two is embrace the pain and the suffering that we all experience in life and use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual. I've been fighting this disease for nine years now. I've, I've, I've had two amputations. I've had numerous surgeries. I've been on this nasty drug that gave me the flu for almost five years. And people ask me, like, how did, how did you do that? And, and part of me is like, I'm not sure. But I think that I just I kept taking it to the point where pain and suffering I now use as energy, or I burn it as fuel to make me stronger and more determined. So whereas our brains are like, we like, we don't like pain, we're going to run away from it. For me, it's like, okay, if you want to give me pain, give me pain, I'm going to use that to make me stronger and more determined. And then number three is, and, and this is pretty simple, as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. We're all going to experience pain in our lives. But suffering, that's optional. That's how you, you deal with the pain. And for me, I could never quit the pain. The pain's going to end someday. But if I quit, then that pain's always going to be there. So if I could give those three suggestions and, and those little caveat stories around it, that's how I think people can take whatever they're facing right now, whatever detrimental things are going on. And, and certainly for the last year, we've all experienced this horrible COVID virus. And that's done a lot of things to a lot of people's brains. But instead of running from it, 
flip it inside. Use it as fuel to make you a tougher individual. So, Terry, you're also an author. What's your book called and what is it about? So the book is called Sustainable Excellence, The 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. And and the book was really born out of two conversations that I had. One was with a former player that I coached who had moved to the area where my wife and I are now with her boyfriend. And we had dinner with them. And I remember saying to her one time, I said, you know, I'm excited that you're living so close to us. I can watch you find and live your purpose. And she got real quiet for a while. And she was like, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? And I said, I don't know what your purpose is. That's what your life should be about. So that was one conversation. And then I had a a basketball player, a college basketball player, reach out to me on LinkedIn. He wanted to know what I thought were the most important things to learn, not only to be successful in in business when he got out of school, but also to be successful in life. And and I didn't want to give him the, you know, the traditional things that have been sort of beaten to death about, well, get in early and work hard and help others and that kind of stuff. I wanted to, I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to kind of get things that I thought would resonate in, in an individual's soul. And so I started jotting things down. And it took me a while, but eventually I came up with these 10 principles. And I kind of looked at them and I'm like, yeah, these are these are things I want to send to him. And I did. And then I I started to look at it and I'm like, well, I've got a life story about that principle, or I know somebody who has a life story about this principle. So I started to sort of build stories under the principles to kind of give people examples. So that's really kind of how the book came about. And I literally wrote this book in a three month period from the time I had my foot or my leg amputated to the time I started chemotherapy. So it was you know, it just sort of crystallized and came together. And I I don't, you know, your experience being an author, I don't know if you had similar things, but it just seemed to kind of all flow together. Well, as you say, purpose, I think a lot of people don't appreciate that, you know, writing a book is a serious undertaking and it takes discipline. Some days you don't feel like writing, but it's got to be done. But the saying by uh, Nelson Mandela, it always seems impossible until it's done. Yeah, yeah. And people ask me, I don't know how it was with you that, you know, like, well, how did you do it? And I said, well, I only had two rules. I said, number one, I made myself write a page every day. And number two, a minimum of a page every day. I had to write at least a page. And number two was I wasn't going to edit anything until I had the first draft. And there were days, I'm sure like you, that I wrote garbage. It's like, I know this will never make it into a book. But then the next day I wrote something better. Like you say, it's it's discipline. You have to sit down. You have to discipline yourself to do it because everybody has a book in them if they really want to. So, Terry, what other interests do you have? So I, I've spent a lot of time now because I'm, I'm health wise, I'm confined to a wheelchair. I, I don't get out a lot, especially with the COVID virus and things like that. So I spend a lot of time trying to do podcasts. I'm collecting material for another book and I enjoy reading. So that's pretty much how I spend my time. I found, I don't know what your experience was being an author, but once you write a book, there's a lot of people that seem to, it sort of gives you credibility, rightly Indeed. or wrongly. Mm-hmm. And and there seems to be a lot of people out there who are interested in in talking to me about my story, my book, and, and how people can incorporate my story into living a better life. Well, I can understand why that's happening. And I think that's a great thing. So Terry, how can people contact you? So I have a a blog, a daily blog that I post 
motivational messages every day. I post the Monday morning motivational message. There are videos. There are stories on there. And it's motivationalcheck.com. And you can get to my uh, social media pages, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, all through that. You can also get access to my book through that. And then if you just want to send me an email, motivationalcheck at AOL.com. Terry in Colorado, USA, thank you very much for your time and wishing you all the best. Thank you, Nigel. I enjoyed it. Nigel Beckles. Interesting conversations with interesting people. Featuring interviews with award-winning authors, relationship and life coaches, therapists, musicians, and a wide variety of people with intriguing stories to share. Interesting conversations with interesting people. Available on all major podcast platforms now, 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 now.